This is exactly right. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. Scott, are you ready? Oh, yeah. I am ready to laugh and laugh. And the bananas can probably tell that we're recording in the morning because I... I'm talking for the first time today and laugh. <laughs> Florida man, classic beginning. Classic. Florida man stole $33,000 in rare coins from his friend and then cashed them in at a coin star for $29.30. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we will be the change we want to see in yes. the world on this brand spanking solo episode of Bananas. Guys, gals, non-binary pals, welcome to Bananas. Sitting across from me is the number one screenwriter in America, Scotty Landis. And sitting across from me, my BFF, a comedian I saw demolish last weekend. Several shows I watched him demolish. The great stand-up Kurt, Curdy B. Brownoller. And uh, welcome to Bananas. We had such a fun time in Portland. What a treat. What a what a delightful treat that was, wasn't it? We got sunny Portland. We got to go to sunny Portland sunny once day. again. Sunshine City. Sunshine it was gorgeous. Old... And what a great crowd. Thank you to everybody coming out. It was so nice to meet everybody afterwards. We sold out of... Everything that we could sell out of, it was beautiful. I had a wonderful time. It was very, very pleasant. And uh, yeah, I got to go on a lot of great, long, weird walks. And uh, mm-hmm. that's we're long walk guys. Uh, Portland is so great for that. I was like, I, you know, I went for like an hour long walk and then I, and then I decided to scoot a bit. And um, I was literally in, I don't know, I, I was down by the water in like this industrial wasteland. Sure. on the east side and i was sure. just like oh this must be <laughs> i was like i must have ridden <laughs> to the point where like portland kind of ends or something and i was mm-hmm. like because like cause this is like this is the 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 hinterlands like there is yes. nothing here but like coal and old rust. and rust and then i made a right hand <laughs> turn and i was on the most incredibly populated street yeah, <laughs> With, there needs to be a cop show there. Portland needs really? a cop show. Portland, but not does like need a like a detective show. show. Yeah. Like, they're always in New York and Chicago, but we want some cool dete- detectives in Portland. I can't believe that doesn't exist. Actually, yeah, it's like we got fifteen rollerbladers who who <laughs> did a heist today. <laughs> we gotta hunt them down. They're called they're the Blade Boys. There. Great food, so good. Definitely a little slower service there. Yeah, great food. I definitely saw. A guy with a broken leg 
riding a bike. You don't see that you very often. No, you don't. You don't. And they have good mass transportation in Portland. Some of the best in the country. But yeah, I, we saw... It's funny because you and I were there for 48 hours or yeah, something like that. Just the amount of things that happen to you when you're out and about in Portland. They're they're very bananas worthy. I do have one DM that we got yeah. from a banana was there that I think we should open the show with because it's I so it. great. Okay. This is from Ali Pitton or Patone or Patan. I'm going to go with Pitton. Okay. Ali Pitton sent this in uh, to the Bananas Podcast on Instagram. DM us. I just had to share this story from last night. My husband and I went to your show in Portland last night. This was our first night out without the kids in over a year and our first night leaving my littlest one overnight with the in-laws. Okay. We had a wonderful time at your show. We had a great dinner afterwards and decided to stop at the dispensary on our way home to pick up some joints. Outside of the dispensary, also I asked her if I could talk about this. Okay. (laughs) I don't want to narc her out so hard. Uh, Outside of the dispensary was a little purple bus. They were doing flash tattoo event, and we decided to look into it. We ended up getting a couple of cute tattoos. My first tattoo ever. It was so much fun. And at the end, the tattoo artist gave me a top banana trophy award for getting my first tattoo. Totally unrelated. What? Wasn't a banana-shaped tattoo. Just she got a little trophy (laughs) that is a smiling, happy banana for being the top banana. That's kismet. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it was kismet. I couldn't believe this was my little prize. Bananas. I was thrilled. We're so happy to see you in Portland. You were delightful and made our date night one to remember. Thank you. Allie, thank you. Allie, I, you are living life. You see a, a purple bus, you're like, let's get <laughs> tattoos. First one ever. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's Portland. That's the city we were in. <laughs> oh, man. It's so, so good. I also have a lot of crime ones, too. We're doing a yard sale episode. For those who don't know what that is, Kurt and I get sent hundreds and hundreds of stories from our beautiful bananas. And sometimes we do yard sales where we just do a ton of stories, uh, news stories. Yeah, here we go. This one is. Here we go. Um, this was sent in by Kelly Flack. Thank you, Kelly. Um, That sounds good stuff. Kelly also sent in the 12-year-old fission, um, the 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 12-year-old who made the fission reaction that I did in Portland, and and my computer had erased the name, so I was happy to find that. So thank you, Kelly, for that and for that. I'm double dipping, because these are episodes back-to-back for us recording Double dippies. Um, again, this is from Bro Bible, and uh, this was in a lot of different publications, but only Bro Bible had... Mm -hmm the two prices in the title and i I don't want to use bro bible but do they have the catchiest headline writers they do they do they do better than abc (laughs) news 7 here very true here it is again florida man stole thirty three thousand dollars in rare coins from his friend and cashed them in at a coin star for 29 dollars and 30 cents uh this was written by Paul Sacka. Ooh. Sacka bestness, that's what I say. Pull up, pull yourself mm, up a, a sack of, of the best from Paul Sacka. Here it is. Today mm-hmm. in the Adventures of Florida Man, one intellectually challenged individual thought he had pulled off a major heist, but then squandered it all away for a lack of due diligence and patience. The what a moron. criminal stole rare coins, then cashed them in for a fraction of their actual work wor- worth. Peak worth, Florida yeah. Man right here. 
Shane Anthony Mel Mele or Mel of sure. Riviera Beach, Florida. I met Michael Johnson a few years ago through mutual friends. The 40-year-old Mel was down on his luck after his wallet was allegedly stolen and didn't have a place to stay. Back in October, Johnson agreed to let Mel crash at his business office in exchange for some mm-hmm. help on a work project. Seems sketchy. Seems like a mm. bad idea. <laughs> Despite giving him a place to stay, Mel would end up robbing Johnson of his valuables. On December 19th, Mel broke into Johnson's North Palm Beach office, stole $33,000 worth of collectible coins. The commemorative presidential dollar coins were passed down from Johnson's father after he died six years ago. The office was ransacked, and he stole other items as well. However, security cameras caught the moment. Mel put blue tape over the lenses. Cool. Smart. That's what you want to do. Yeah. Walk walk facing the camera with tape in your hand, and then they'll never be able to spot you. They'll never know. They'll be like, look, that guy... Yeah, sure. That guy taped over the cameras, but do you, we have no proof that he stole anything. If anything, we could charge him with taping cameras. Is that even a crime, detective? <laughs> like that is his logic That's going it. through it. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> Yo, got nothing me. illegal about putting tape on a camera. <laughs> do the math. Run the numbers. God, I so just, funny. I, my thing's taping cameras. Somebody else came by later and stole stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no kink shaming on this podcast. None at all. Mel was able to sell some of the coins for a few thousand dollars. So he was aware of their value. I see. But he grew tired of going to pawn shops. This guy is guy amazing. Hates work. He hates to work. He loves to steal. He loves to tape. He loves. <laughs> so the genius went to Coinstar machines and deposited the rare collectible coins and got face dollar for them. He easily had $33,000 worth and he dumped it in a Coinstar machine. That's so crazy. That means if he dropped in the 33 presidential coins valued at $1,000 each, he got about $29.30. That is crazy. That is crazy. Also, it's so weird that banks don't really take coins anymore. Remember when we were kids, you just take coins and, you know, like, I I remember sitting and doing rolls of pennies with my grandmother, rolls of nickels, and you go, I tried to go to the bank, and this also might be a New York and LA thing, maybe in in states that don't have 10 million, I mean, cities that don't have 10 million people, you still can, but Coinstar is the only game in town if you have tons of loose change now. There was a place in Brooklyn, TD Bank, uh-huh. on Park Circle, yeah. and they used to have a machine that was like for kids to like collect, and it was like, here we go, and it had a screen, and you could guess, and if you got within like $2, you got like, I don't know, a free pen or something. Oh, that sounds awesome. I, when I was broke, when I was serving, you know, waiters get lots of quarters. You get tons, because a lot of times you make change for people, yeah. and then they don't want to take the coins with them. They just leave you part of the tip. And I used to have like a w- old wine jug, like a huge, I mean, I don't know, two-gallon jug. And I would just put my quarters in it. And then once a year, I'd go and dump it out and be like $100. It was great. That's awesome. And then TD Bank just got rid of it. So then I had a heavy glass wine jug with $100 <laughs> or more with 500 quarters in it. And it's like... I I I don't even remember. I think maybe my dad came and like put it in his trunk. I don't remember what happened to that, but there was no place in Brooklyn to get rid of coins. 
Also, I love that in Europe and stuff, they still use coins for euros and two euros. We should have that here, too. It's crazy. I, yeah, I go back and forth about it. Because I, whenever you like go to, like, whenever I go to Canada for like a week, I'm like, this is so fun. I just got a bunch of coins in my pocket. Loonies. I pay for stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I was there for four months... Yep. Uh, coins suck like heavy coins always in your pocket and when you're just mm-hmm. like and people just keep giving you change and you're like forget that you have it in or whatever and then you just have like twenty five dollars in coins in your pocket it just kind of sucks and so i can see that but it is fun it is fun for like i think for a while it's pretty fun also their funny I, blue money is fun saying. too it is. It is. It's it slippery. Is. It's slippery. It's bulletproof. Wait, do they have King Charles on their money now? Well, didn't they used to have Queen Elizabeth on their Canadian dollar? I think they refused to change it. <laughs> I think that oh, is right. true. We did do a story yeah, yeah, on yeah. it where they were trying to get... I mean, they should put Getty Lee from Rush on there. <laughs> they should play the lead singer and bass player for Rush, one of the great rock bands from Canada, yes. and put him on your money. 100%. They should have another one that just has a beaver. Why don't... Why is there a loon and not a beaver on on any Canadian money? What's going on? We're beaver boys. The banana boys are beaver boys. Y'all know. Bring the beavers back to Baltimore. Bring beavers back to Baltimore. Put Getty Lee and a beaver together on your money. Getty Lee and a beaver shaking hands in a canoe. That's all I want. That's all we want. And then George St. Pierre doing ask. a split on the back. On the, It's so easy to do, guys. Canada, get your heads out of your butt. <laughs> Getty Lee, a beaver, and George St. Pierre on your fives, tens, twenties, and fifties. <laughs> Jesus. And Steve Nash. Why not? Throw him in there, too. I remember this guy in college would go to the bank mm-hmm. with, I don't know, like 100 bucks mm-hmm. and just get $52 bills and then oh, yeah. only pay for things with $2 bills. Because that I was like his thing. Because, yeah, I people are always bill. excited to get a $2 bill. And I can never I decide em. if I think that's cool or <laughs> lame. <laughs> I love that you're so torn over currencies. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, really having an existential crisis. Like, is paying with this $2 bill cool? <laughs> well, it's because when we were young, they told us they were going away. Yes. So you would hold on to them. Yeah. Like, my grandfather gave me a $2 bill for my sixth birthday. And it was like, this is going to be worth $100. It's still worth still $2. Worth $2. <laughs> <laughs> but I get them from the bank sometimes. You know, the bank, excuse me, not the bank, the post office, because I do so much mailing that you either get like uh, dollar coins or $2 bills from the bank sometimes. Yeah. So I, I often have them. And uh, I like them. I think they're cool. I do too. It's just the mindset of a person who's like, well, that's going to be my thing. I'm going to only, I'm only having $2 bills. And I just well, can't. Well, that is a creep move. It's a kind of creep move, but also at the same time, I would like some $2 bills. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I have now gone to the bank three yeah. separate occasions to try and get. Sure. A uh, a silver dollar or a gold dollar, so that for Olive when she loses her teeth, it's a it's like a gold coin, um, and they never have them. They're always like somebody just somebody just took my last one. Every time I go, someone's like someone just took my last one, and I'm like, who is going in and getting all these? Go- unless it's for teeth, unless it's just all parents looking for teeth money. 
wait, but is it a dollar, the gold coin, or is it the gold, gold coin, coin is a dollar? That's a thousand. Okay, because gold right now is like rock. I thought you were talking the about Sacagawea. Like the Sacagawea. dollar. The s- oh, Sacagawea yeah. is gold. Love those. Yeah. Love the Sacagawea. It's not real gold. Coin. It's like gold color. I mean, we honor her. She was a great person. Give me some, uh, Scotty. Here we go. Olar and Sage sent this in. And Olar and Sage has sent many good stories in. All right. Thank you, Lauren Sage. Uh, this was, I mean, what a fastball. Okay. This was on 98rock.com, which is my hometown, Baltimore's 97.9 Rock FM. Nice. They're still playing. Talk about Rush. If you go to Baltimore and turn on 98 Rock right now, you will hear Pink Floyd, Limp Biscuit, Rush, um, Puddle of Mud, like today. They love <laughs> it. They they have not changed their playlist. They add like one song a year. It's exactly the same when I go home to my parents' house and turn on 98 Rock. It's like, yeah, I remember all the... Oh, and Sublime's What I Got. They can't get enough of that <laughs> song in Baltimore. Oh my God, wait a saying. second. You got to talk about your Uber driver the other day. Oh God, <laughs> yesterday. I So I... Um, I went and was getting some work done on my car, so I I took a lift um, to my house, and then I get the call that my work is done, and this very nice lift driver named Michael comes and gets me, and I sit in the back seat, very friendly, I would say mid to late 60s, Asian-American driver, very nice man, and he played Blind Melons (laughs) No Rain. Um, on his phone while playing, while doing a crossword in whatever language he spoke, um, I couldn't read the the symbols or the the language. Uh, and then when when no rain was about to end, song I hadn't heard in a while, he pressed repeat <laughs> and then played no rain again. And so I I already went four or five miles, and he played it six and a half times while I was in the car. And I I messaged Kurt. I I sent one from the bananas DMs to Kurt. Of here, I probably number four when I realized what ooh, he was doing. Ooh. Just me and Michael, the elderly Asian American man, listening to hit song "No Rain" by Blind Melon. <laughs> that is the one where the girl in the bee suit yep. dances. Very early '90s hippie esque song. I remember, and I, Michael <laughs> loved it. I just can imagine the pause that happens in between songs, and then but down, down, down. Here we go. (laughs) Well, when I sent it to you, you could see him reaching to hit repeat again. I sent Kurt a little video of me listening to it in the back, and then I saw his hand going, so I switched the camera around, and there's Michael reaching for no rain again. This guy really hates the rain. Anyways, Mm -hmm. this is posted by Jay Stamboni. Mandy Rock just delivers. What a station. Jay Stamboni is the dude who writes articles for 98 Rock. Of course he is, man. Jay Stamboni. If you want to hear Nickelback, Creed, Drowning Pool, boy, do I have a station for you. He's wearing a black t-shirt with no sleeves while he types. People, including family members, do make fun of us in LA for saying, you know, we take the 405, the 101, yes. the 10. They call their highway there the Beltway because it's a belt that circles the city. <laughs> that's even dumber and weirder. I they never not... realized that's why it was the Beltway. The, yeah, the Baltimore Beltway. Yeah. It's like a belt looping around downtown Baltimore. Oh, wow. These goofballs. Anyways, here's the headline. Mm -hmm. Billy Joel's Uptown Girl Helps Lost Cockatiel Find Its Way Home. Oh, hell yeah, it does. 
It's Bird's story. I knew Curdy would like I'm it. In. The piano man played an unusual role in the rescue of a pet bird in South Carolina. Last month, Christine uh, Iterino, Christine Iterino was loading groceries into her Myrtle Beach home when Joel, the pet <laughs> cockatiel she had adopted from Bird Rescue 18 months earlier, flew out of the door. Of course. There goes Joel. So we're already tipping what's going to happen. Joel is, I'm a bird. Now I'm free. <laughs> In a panic, I tried to grab him, which you're not supposed to do with birds, uh, Iterino said. She's 58. I don't know why the Washington Post needed to tell us that or 98 Rock. Um, they, that freaked him out, and he flew away toward the ocean, screaming all the way. I was heartsick. Screaming Iterino, all the way. Uh, her. It doesn't say whether it was her or the bird. Joel the bird was screaming. Maybe Iterino. <laughs> Iterino was a bus driver. Uh-huh. She said that her flying friend loved listening to 1980s pop music and had free reign in her home, only staying in his cage at night. In a Facebook post Ooh. about the missing bird, she wrote that he particularly liked Uptown Girl by Billy Joel, which inspired his name, Joel. <laughs> After Joel got loose, a devastated Iterino printed up a parrot alert and hung flyers all over uh, offering a reward and tacked them up in her neighborhood. Quote, he's a very friendly bird to people. So I had a lot of hope, but I was still pretty upset, especially as more time passed. I began to worry I would never see him again. But after the longest time, Jay. Jay. Jay Stamboni. You are the best in the biz. After a longest time, or nine days to be exact, very funny, Iterino received a text while at work. I'm at the beach. I think we found your bird. The message was an employee of the Sky Wheel at Myrtle Beach, a 200-foot Ferris wheel with 42 enclosed gondolas. <laughs> this is actually a very good story. Yeah, it is. Um, the employee, Teresa Glazer, sent a picture of Joel perched on her shoulder inside the Sky Wheel ticket booth. <laughs> This this, so this bird does like people. Loves people, except his owner when it tries to grab it. <laughs> then he just wants the sky. It cra- <laughs> birds crave the sky. They you do. and I have always said that. That's why that's the only that's my main uh, objection to birds as pets. They're the only they animal the who can fly in the sky that we force to live in a house with us. Yeah, born without a glass ceiling. Let birds be birds. <laughs> During a morning safety check at the wheel, employee Gavin Skyer, or Sire, who is often referred to as Spider-Man for his climbing prowess. There he is. Was a hun- there he is. We got Gavin Skyer. We got Spider-Man, ladies and gents. Uh, was 100 feet up on a ladder when he heard chirping. He looked over and saw Joel hopping on the bars. The bird, who was too afraid to fly to the ground, made its way to Sire, or Skyer who then nestled him in his hoodie. The cockatiel wouldn't go into a pet character, but found comfort on Glazer's shoulder. That's when Glazer told her mother about the bird, and her mother mentioned the story to a neighbor. The neighbor had seen the missing bird posters. Well, that is, that's some beautiful telephone. Spider-Man to Glazer's shoulder to Glazer's mother to Glazer's neighbor to the poster. (laughs) Never give up hope, people. There's always hope. The neighbor had seen the missing bird notices about Joel and remembered the fact that he liked Billy Joel music. The park manager's... uh, We're just naming names now. The park marketing manager, Sean Bailey, said. (laughs) Teresa was able to get Christine's phone number and and from the notice and text her. So Christine is who owned the bird. Yeah. I've thrown 900 names. Jay Stamboni loves a name drop. Um, when they saw the post about his affinity for Billy Joel, they started to play some Piano Man tunes to see if the bird was indeed Joel. 
When his head started bobbing up and down, that's when everybody knew this was definitely Christine's (laughs) bird. But Curdy B, Joel isn't the only cockatiel to love Uptown Girl. Nine months ago, a Reddit user posted an adorable video of her pet Mo whistling along with Uptown Girl, Billy Joel's 1983 hit. (laughs) Is there something about Uptown Girl that bird brains enjoy? It's like, bam, bam, I mean, there's a lot of horns in it, right? I have no, there's clapping. There's clapping. There's Christy Brinkley was in the video. Maybe birds just have a thing for Christy Brinkley. Or maybe they all birds just love the idea of social mobility, you know? Thank you. A guy That's from right. downtown getting an uptown girl. You know, they birds all think of themselves as a downtown guy. <laughs> they're all mechanics. They're trash people. And then they're trash men. They're trash people. Uh, not the mechanics are trash people. As for Joel, he was reunited. Yeah, you could just picture a parrot with like a wrench and a red bandana's back pocket, a jean jumpsuit, little grease under his eyes near his beak. You paying cash or credit? If you're paying cash, I'll take 20% off. As for Joel, he was reunited with his distraught owner. He squawked at me, then flew over to my shoulder. I kept telling him how much I had missed him and what a brave little boy he was. It really was a series of miracles that brought him home, said Iterino, who took her feathered companion to visit the vet. The bird was pronounced healthy. Uh, he did uh, lose a little bit of weight, but I'm so happy to have him back. Joel is such a big part of my life, Iterino said. I realized that every single day he was gone. Beautiful. Great bird Great story. story. Great bird story. Thanks, Stromboni. Yeah, thanks, Jay Stromboni of 98 Rock. I would I would call it ninety seven point nine rock. I I'm fine with a ninety seven point nine rock. Mm-hmm. They play butt rock, the genre where white guys kind of waggle their butts a little bit mm-hmm. and throw the the horns in the air. Yeah, I love it. You want to hear another I like one it too? Heck yes, I do. I love having fun. All righty, this one's fun. Um, oh, this one's I've been re- trying to do for a while. I have no idea who sent this in. It's literally been in my browser for months. That's what yard sales are for? Chuck E. Cheese still uses floppy disks to make its ro- rodent mascot dance. Yes, they do. Yeah. Yes, they do. I just watched the John Oliver about this. There's a documentary really? that you guys can watch. If you go to John Oliver's last week tonight, they made a 28-minute segment about the history of Chuck E. Cheese. What? It's excellent. Is it really? I'm fascinated. So good. I have to go there uh, next week. So. You're going to like it, but it's a lot about the animatronic band. It's got a ton about that and how Showbiz Pizza came in. It's great. Okay. It's, if you're bored at work and your boss isn't looking over your shoulder, watch the Chuck E. Cheese doc from last week tonight. Uh, this was written by our friend, friend of the show, Katie Natopoulos. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, she truly is the best in the biz. Yeah, she rocks. Until 2019, believe it or not, the U.S. nuclear weapons program ran on an eight-inch floppy disk. <laughs> That's insane. Uh, as of today, those. there are still quite a few technologies that rely on floppies. Uh, Boeing 747 jets. Holy shit. Part of the mm-hmm. San Francisco public transit system. And on a slightly less concerning but no less amusing note, the performing animatronic creatures at Chuck E. Cheese restaurants. 
In a so recent far. viral TikTok, a Chuck E. Cheese employee shows off the winter 2023 floppy disk sent from corporate headquarters. The TikToker demonstrates how he loads the 3.5-inch disk into a large computer server in order to relay the data for the latest song and dance routine for the robotic animals. And it is. It's adorable. It's uh, just a little, you know, the little, you know what it is. Mm-hmm. The kind of retro tech, has, retro tech has long captivated the internet in 2008. A collector programmed the erstwhile showbiz pizza place chain's animatronic band, mm-hmm. The Rockafire Explosion, to sing current songs like Love in This Club by Usher. The result is something the deep one. in the uncanny valley. Uh, today, That's the best one. Yeah, it really is. It's amazing. Today, there is a robust adult fandom dedicated to Chuck E. Cheese. I have no idea why. It is literally <laughs> a casino for children. It's dirty all and the time. And fights. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which was launched in 1977 and purchased by Showbiz Pizza Parents Company in 1985. Collectors Correct. build and restore their own animatronic sets at home. On eBay, there's a lot of vintage Chuck E. Cheese memorabilia, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Over, of the over 600 Chuck E. Cheese locations worldwide, fewer than 50 restaurants still have the quarter century old Studio C layout of animatronics that use these floppy disks. Interesting. Yeah. So all the other, everywhere I've ever gone, for Chuck E. Cheese, it. no, it's just that rat running around in a costume. Get that band back out there. Why guys? isn't that Come band on. out there? So yeah, the rat comes out. Everybody takes pictures with the rat, and then, um, and then people, and then it's just it's just screens that like show like happy birthday or whatever. I'm pretty sure the rat was supposed to be a wolf. Um, what? And then they ordered the wrong mascot costume, and it came as a rat, so then they made it a mouse and named it Chuck E. Cheese. But I'm pretty sure it was a misfire of the mascot. Um, oh, whoa. Yeah. And is that in the documentary? Correct. Oh, I can't. Oh, that's a very, very excited. And then mm. there's here's the best part of this article is that uh, Katie interviews Tom Persky, the owner of floppydisk.com. All right. Now that. Kurt loves a website that is just the item.com. And you know what? He should. It's the biggest floppy disk purveyor still standing. His business has a few arms. You can buy blank disks, and then he'll just convert old floppies into modern storage media. Um, he's the one who programs disks for uh, Chuck E. Cheese. Um, what a job. And he's saying, if you're looking for something very stable, really non-hackable, it's not internet-based, not network-based. It's quite elegant for what it does. I get that. Right? Um, yeah. And it says it works really well. And that's why they haven't changed it. That's essentially the end of the article. It works really well. Well, sure, if it works. That's, you know, all those old idioms. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And also... Put the animatronic band back in yes. every Chuck E. Cheese. It's worth it because people like Kurt and I will sit there and I, you can buy beer there. Yep, you beer can drink and wine, wine at Chuck E. Cheese. And it's what makes it bearable. I would love bearable. to see a f- Yes. Give me a 15, 20 minute concert. Do a little, me- maybe a Motown medley. I'm laughing. Yeah. Have a couple songs about <laughs> pizza. Have a couple songs about don't be scared about getting older. I'll be crying in the arcade. Bring us back the band. Do you remember, Scott? Like, you remember Chuck E. Cheese when we were kids, right? Big deal. Uh, big deal. Also, just had video games, right? Had video games yeah. you went and play. That was the main thing. It was an arcade, really. That's all I remember. Ski ball and 
playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the four-man video exactly. game. Exactly. So now, almost all of the games are ticket games. So they're all, I think maybe Chuck E. Cheese owns them, like owns the... Yeah. So they're just like these no-name games where it's like you hit a button and a like a ball drops and then you get a ticket. And like almost all of them are that, except for like three games. Mm. And then it's it's <laughs> and of course the only one Olive likes is it's a Jurassic Park game where it's two gigantic guns that <laughs> shake like like it's a Gatling gun that shakes as you fire it and you just Amazing. kill dinosaurs and she loves dinosaurs and she loves this game but the whole time she's like these are not these dinosaurs are bad dinosaurs so we gotta get rid of them <laughs> but normally I'm very into dinosaurs and then she like hits a button and throws a grenade inside a T-Rex's <laughs> mouth and its head explodes yeah, but you got to be so proud as a father I mean she's a she's got a great throwing arm she's got a great rocket launching finger that's so cool all right tease us into well, a break Scotty Ooh, okay, I'll do a funny one then. Oh, yeah. Rough day for man driving stolen school bus with dead deer inside. <laughs> it certainly is. Well, we'll make your day a little bit easier if you listen to the mm-hmm. rest of Bananas coming up in just a couple of minutes. Banana. Folks, welcome back to Bananas. Uh, I actually have a little shout out here, Scotty. Before yard you, sale, it buddy. You get into yours, my bud. Mm-hmm. Here it is. This was sent in by Leah. Uh, hey, Banana Boys, love the pod. Thanks for being the best in the biz. Ha ha. I would really like to shout the Jensen Project. It's a wonderful nonprofit org that helps women impacted by sexual violence and domestic violence. It's based out of Texas, and a friend of mine started working there is making a huge difference. She's a saint. Thanks, Mm -hmm. guys. I hope it makes it on the pod. It would be a great way to support this cause, especially with the recent restrictions on women's bodies in Texas. Hell yeah. Um, And it says, yeah, it's bananas. Uh, We don't know what the friend's name is, but Leah's friend... You're doing you're doing good work. We love you. We absolutely love you. What was the name of it? The Jensen Project. Jensen Project. J E N S E N. Yeah. Let women do whatever the hell they want with their bodies. Mm-hmm. Dear God. Uh, I do have some shout outs. Here we go. Danielle Feltz wants a shout out an Australian banana named Claire or called Claire, depending where you live. Uh, who's starting her own podcast, Kurt, about water, water products, yes. and the cultural hydrosphere. It's called What Are We Tasting? So if you're <laughs> curious about water, which Kurt drinks too much water. I love it. I never drank enough. Now I drink too much water. We're nuts. Do what you, are we tasting? Claire, thank do you. Do you know, Scotty, about the TikTok water, flavored water people? I do. It's crazy. People are people get obsessed. I also know about the raw water people because we posted a story on our Instagram yesterday about some rare disease oh, that man. six people in Montana got because they thought they were drinking raw, raw water, water and it was really uh, from a giant concrete uh, railroad like <laughs> truss that had 
a bird's nest in it, so they all got some rare poisoning. So anyways, I bet they cover that on what are we tasting? This is a sweet one. Uh, Megan wants to shout out her eight-year-old daughter, Alice, who's about to play her first violin uh, orchestra concert. Alice, listen, you will do great. When you wake up on the morning of the concert, get out of bed and stand up and say out loud to yourself, I'm going to do great. And then listen to yourself and believe it. You're going to nail it and also have fun. Yes, we've got Um, your back. Shannon Wilson is a banana from... You guessed it, Kurt. Moncton, Canada. Moncton, Canada. We like Moncton, New Brunswick. Yeah. She sent a pic of herself and two very handsome banana animals, Justin Powell and Joseph Kwan, posing in front of our bananas billboard. Oh, yeah. It's up for a couple more weeks, and then we're going to move it to another small town, probably in the U.S. of A. So go snap your pics on Main Street in Moncton, and thank you, Shannon Wilson, for being such a wonderful Canadian bananimal. And to keep up the international theme of these shout-outs... We got a message from, and I'm going to say your name two different ways because I'm not sure how it's pronounced. In America, we would say Zayn Al-Khalifa, but it might be Zayn Al-Khalifa, who is our biggest bananimal from Bahrain. Yes! I didn't know we had bananimals in Bahrain, but we have one beautiful one. Uh, for those who don't know, Bahrain is officially the kingdom of Bahrain. It's an island country in Western Asia. It's situated in the Persian Gulf, and it's okay. a small archipelago right. made up of 50 natural islands and an additional 34 artificial islands. All right. So there you go. Uh, it has a population of 1.463 million <gasps> wonderful future Bahrainian bananas. So, anyways, more than I thought. Yeah, it's an island nation an island kingdom yeah. which is very interesting so anyways zane or zayn i'm so sorry if i butchered your name but thank you for sending us a message and thank you for listening to us halfway around the world and, and that's thank all you I got. for letting us know about bahrain i'm happy as an as a incredibly ignorant american and also Absolutely. someone an exceptionally ignorant american about geography so i'm doubly yeah. uh, handicapped uh i love to learn that stuff yeah, but animals. If you're bored at work, again, watch the John Oliver Chuck E. Cheese doc, <laughs> and then sw- go over to Wikipedia, look up Bahrain, learn something. Yeah, it it looks like a very fascinating part of the world. I will do that sometimes. Just go on Google Earth and just like, what's I this? Do it all the time. And then just I like look the at stuff. I'm like, oh, oh, I like that. That seems like a fun yeah. beach. Yeah, <laughs> let's go there. <laughs> I know. I was yes, I've done that several times. Where in my head, I'm already booking the trip and then i'll like look up like safety alerts and then it'll be like the darkest shade of red and it's like write a will before you go to this beach i'm like okay maybe it's back to costa rica okay here we go here we go whiskey and bacon whiskey sent and bacon. this in all thank you also how early did you get whiskey and bacon on instagram good for you that must have been a coveted mm-hmm. handle right uh, this was in the Huffington Post, written by, oh boy, oh boy, it's David Moy. <laughs> Who is the best in the business when it comes down to it? Rough day for man driving stolen school bus with dead deer inside. Wow. <clears throat> so good. Wow. So I, you would guess that this was in Alabama mm-hmm. or Mississippi or South Carolina. Michigan. Or I will name I every southern Michigan. state. Michigan. That's a, yeah, Indiana, mm-hmm. the armpit of America. Ohio. The Indiana of the Midwest. There's all kinds of places this could be. Uh, A man from York County, Pennsylvania, right near where my parents live, 
was arrested Tuesday morning after allegedly leading officers on two separate vehicle chases in two counties. <laughs> so he went for a two for two for Tuesday. Is this in Bucks County? Is this like where is this? York is County, it? PA is. Oh, York uh, County. Oh, yeah, okay. York County. Yeah, I think the um, National um, Weightlifting Hall of Fame is there. Of course it is. Of course, uh, uh, total sense. Uh, of course it is. Yep. Take I eighty three right up in York, Pennsylvania, and you pass it right on the right there. Um, it all began early on Tuesday after Pennsylvania State Trooper stopped a BMW with a Florida license plate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Questioned the driver, Tony Saunders. Local station WGAL, best in the biz, reported that Trooper said that they could see items in the car Saunders was driving that appeared to be from a nearby con- nearby convenience store where they had uh, theft had just been reported. However, <laughs> Saunders reportedly told police that he had gotten the items at a junkyard. What? There was also reportedly a dog in the vehicle and a dead deer in the trunk. <laughs> Here we go. All right. Saunders allegedly drove away when the troopers asked him to exit the vehicle and turned off his headlights during the chase to avoid detection, but he reportedly had to leave the BMW when he was, wasn't was able to maneuver the car over some railroad tracks. So this guy's having a great day. Wow. Uh, Couldn't get it over railroad tracks. All right. Yeah. I, who knows? Yeah. Um, he allegedly ran into a heavily wooded area. Later that morning, local law enforcement agencies were notified that a school bus had been stolen <laughs> in Abbottstown. <laughs> Carroll Township Police said officers first spotted the bus at a shopping center parking lot and eventually caught up with it. The driver pulled over briefly, but then pulled away and kept driving. Oh, Tony. The driver then allegedly led officers on a second chase that ended after he <laughs> abandoned the bus and ran away on foot while stripping off his clothes. Wow. Wow. He's really going for it. He is going the distance. Oh, man. Police apprehended the and identified the driver as Saunders, who admitted that he had stolen the school bus after crashing the BMW. <laughs> he also admitted that he intended to use the dead deer carcass for fertilizer in his garden. What? Okay. What? <laughs> <laughs> He's currently being held in a York County prison with a $100,000 bail. <laughs> the, this guy these, day. these tomatoes are amazing. <laughs> you just look out to the, to, the, to the backyard garden and it's just like deer hooves sticking out of the ground like tent poles. Well, it must be the deer legs I buried. <laughs> Uh, it's so great to, he's got moves. This guy, you know, there are times in your life where you have an MO, where you go, hey, I go here, I do this, I do this. Every Christmas, we do this on Christmas Eve. We read, we read a Christmas story, and then we sit by the fire, and everybody opens one gift. This guy steals a vehicle, then pulls over when the cops get there, pretends to stop, then speeds away till he gets stuck, then gets out and runs into the closest woods. That is such a cool <laughs> MO to be like, that's my thing, man. Sometimes there's a dog with me. Sometimes there's a dead animal in the trunk. You can't catch Judge me, pal. Me. Can't catch me. He was just juking. He's just juking left and right, even though nobody's like <laughs> chasing yeah, just him Just stripping directly. off his clothes, just serpentining all the way into the woods. <laughs> all right. Well, I think they're, I think he might be staying in prison for a little bit. Uh-huh. Thank you, Whiskey and Bacon, for sending that in. Uh, here's another one. Sarah Polly asked mm. to return her Oscar to Academy. Are you ready for this? Yeah. She's great. This is a Hollywood reporter. 
That's real. Sarah Polly's Oscar for her woman, Women Talking script has not mm-hmm. actually been rescinded by the Film Academy, despite her oh. 11-year-old child's valiant April Fool's Day effort to suggest otherwise. Amazing. The filmmaker who picked up the vaunted prize for Best Adapted Screenplay last month shared a letter to Twitter on Saturday that she attributed to her child. The prank involved a typed-out message stating that Polly... <laughs> must send back the trophy in order for it to be given to the team behind Netflix all quiet on the Western front. Oh, my God. Who were the actual winners, according to the note? The letter ended with a sign-off from Academy President David Rubin, forged signature and all. It says, we are giving you one week to enjoy its presence in your home, but after that period of time, you must mail it back to L.A., where it will where we will give it to the rightful best adapted screenplay, all quiet on the Western front, the note read. Amazing. We are sorry for your loss, but it is only fair that the play with the real best adapted screenplay gets the Oscar. (laughs) And she fell for this? This is amazing. I mean, I guess there was that weird thing where La La Land won, but the other one didn't or whatever. So I guess it's not unprecedented. The letter went on to include a reference to the infamous 2017 snafu involving La La Land. Quote, (laughs) wait, Quote, in hindsight, we should have told you when we realized it on the night which the Oscar was given, but you must understand we did not want another year of the moonlight. And we also did not want it to get all over our your local news as the citizens of Toronto would probably be quite irritated. And we Mm -hmm. did not want to get this news getting out. The note continued. The run on sentence is where I think I would have pegged it as an 11 year old, but still a pretty, a pretty advanced 11 year old. Very good prank. Extremely good prank. Um, Polly didn't explain whether she was actually led to believe the letter at any point. Her tweet included the message, my 11-year-old swung low for April Fool's Day this year. Um, Among those playing along in the replies was All Quiet on the Western Front director Edward Berger, who is credited for its screenplay alongside co-writers Leslie Patterson and Ian Tokel. He said, quote, Mm. Dear Sarah, to save on mailing costs as I live overseas, the Academy has asked me to provide you with my address so you can ship the Oscar directly. I will follow <laughs> up that. shortly. But that's a funny kid. That's such a good prank. Isn't that and fun? also Sarah Polly, I see I, I watch like so many horror movies, mm-hmm. so I only knew when I saw her win this, I was like, no way. She's in Dawn of the Dead, which Whoa. was from two thousand four, which is actually a very fun horror movie. Okay. I don't really like zombie stuff that much. I, I find zombie stuff sort of repetitive. Yeah. But that one took the 28 Days Later idea that the zombies can run full speed. Yes. And like up until that point, it was like limping, shuffling, snow, slow zombies where I'm like, hey, I, I could lightly jog away from these guys indefinitely. Yeah. I'll stop and drink a little, a little liquid IV <laughs> and then I'll jog a little more. Uh, she was also in a movie called Splice, where she yes, it, she was really good in these movies. And then, I mean, good for her. I th- I'd like to hang out with her. I think she maybe we can get her as a guest. That would Katie, be awesome. let's try to get Sarah Polly. Love her. I think she's Canadian. That means she's going to be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get Sarah Polly on the pod. She seems like an awesome person. I would love that. Yeah, she's cool. Um, Valerie O'Neill or Valeria O'Neill, I believe it's Valerie O'Neill. Sent this one in. She sends in a lot of stories and a lot of great content. So thank you so much for that. Um, Organ Man. Oh, we got sent this by so many people. Um, Organ Man says he threw $20,000 from his car to bless others. Family claims he drained their shared bank accounts. Oh, I heard about this when we were in Portland. 
gut punch. This was on People.com, written by the best in the beeswax, Abigail Adams. She is good. Thank you, Abigail. She can type. She's a true crime authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of authorities, authorities in Oregon say a man allegedly emptied his family's shared bank accounts before throwing away thousands and thousands of dollars in cash onto a local highway. Uh, there's no way to get that back. You ain't getting that back. Uh, Oregon State Police said the man who identified as Colin Davis, uh, who I know a guy in Hollywood named Colin Davis, Colin Davis McCarthy. There we go. All right. 38. Tossed money out of his car Tuesday evening on Interstate 5 near Milepost 192, according to the ABC affiliate KEZI. We're KZ for news. Uh, the Eugene man told responding. <laughs> Uh, Eugene Mann told responding officers that he was doing well and wanted to bless others with the gift of money. Oh, boy. Several motorists stopped to grab the money thrown from the man's car. However, Oregon State Police uh, were concerned about the hazards posed by the dollar bills that were littering the interstate, according to ABC affiliate Kezi. Um, Responding officers eventually convinced McCarthy to stop throwing the cash. The man told officials he had thrown about 200,000 American dollars oh, from his vehicle. No. $200,000. In like what? In dollar bills or in like what was he I throwing? Don't know. Them in? I, I don't oh know. Oh my god, so $200,000? I mean, that's like a life. That's someone's life. It's a down payment on a house. I mean, it, that's a, a good house. That's a that's, you know, 40 really great vacations. Um, with the outlet reporting that most of the money had been collected by 8 p.m. that evening, the people that originally stopped on the scene did a pretty good job of cleaning it all up, said Lieutenant Jim Andrews. Officials have not confirmed exactly how much money was thrown onto the I-5. Oh, so he might have said 200000 but he obviously is not in the best. Right. right. During the conversation with one of McCarthy's relatives, uh, they said they learned that man had allegedly drained his family's shared bank accounts ahead of the stunt. McCarthy was not criminally charged yet, though Andrew said officers did consider the option. He could have been charged in a situation like this for the danger being created because of his actions, disorderly contact, potentially reckless endangerment, but most likely disorderly content. Okay, we're going back on that one. Now McCarthy's family is asking anyone who found the money on the highway on Tuesday to return it over to authorities. Kezi reported. Oh, man. They get that money back. That is a crazy... I mean, again, like, you mentioned the TikTok water nuts, but, like, I, there's did he... It doesn't say in this article on people.com, but, like, did he Instagram it? Did he live stream it? Did he... TikTok, it feels like people don't just do things charitably anymore without wanting credit. Add a boy and a pat on the back. Yeah. Um, but or maybe he just. Or maybe it just was, was out to unhinged. Lunch. Yeah. Maybe it was just an unhinged move. Yeah. He was out to lunch. Anyways, if you found that money and you, you don't Bring need it, it turn it back into his family. Bring him back. Bring him back. Crazy. Um, all right, I got another one for you. You ready for it? Yes. Hold on. Did it at your school? Did they do fundraisers when you were in high school where they would do a money booth? Never. I've never been in a money booth. Have you ever been? In, you've been in one. I'm assuming we did one <gasps> once in my high school, and it was for magazine sales, I believe. That's insane. And whoever sold the most, I didn't even try. 
I didn't even, yeah. I did not sell a single magazine. I was never one of those people. I did do the morning announcements and I was pretty good at selling college, what are called game hats, which were white hats that would say like the college and then in bigger font, their, their mascot. Okay. So, you know, the most popular ones were Moorhead State or oh. Oregon State Beavers, uh-huh. you know, all the yeah, stuff. Yeah. Oh, South Carolina Gamecocks and just said Cox. Um, <laughs> but we did one and... Um, the way it would work is it's a clear booth for those who don't know, and then they put I don't know five hundred dollars in mixed bills on the bottom, and then whoever the two highest sales people students were, they had a leaf blower that plugged into the bottom, <laughs> and then you got thirty seconds, and then they would start the leaf blower up, and then you'd have to stuff money in what you were wearing to school that day. And I think my friend Steve Posner won once, but the first person went, and you have like thirty seconds, right? 30 seconds to grab as much money as you can. Yeah. And I mean, that money goes like a typhoon. It's really fun. And so he's stuffing money in. And then one of like the physics teachers turned to the the woman, the girl that was going to do it and was like, pin it against the wall. And she's like, what? And he goes, as soon as it starts, pin it against the wall with your body. So basically when they pull the trigger on the leaf blower, all the money blows up. And if you just smash it against the wall, then you just reach in front of yourself and then you just put it in your pockets. So instead of like grabbing it out of the air, trying to catch falling dollar bills. And when this girl did it, that thing jumped about six inches to the right. They were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It was like about to tip. Oh. And they so they like pulled it back. And then they were like, just take as much money as you want. They were like, turned it off. They were like, we already see where this is going. Somebody's going to die. But it was a fun. It was such an exciting. It's like a really visceral thing that like the next year we were all like, damn, we should have done it. That was so cool. Of course. Yeah. That's like I've only yeah. seen those things on game shows. I mean, to, as one, a child, yeah. to be able to go in there, also terrifying. Also so much presser. <laughs> yeah. I think it used to be a big thing with radio stations, too. They're like, yeah, if you drive by the 98 Rock headquarters, we're going to have the cash booth. And then it would be like <laughs> out there and some C-list rock star. Would there would be, be just, nice because ca- it's like cash booth and... um. Water, water tank, the mm-hmm. you know Dunk, the dunking tank. Those are two things that I've never seen in person, and I've always thought of as like the height of a certain type of carnival excitement. I've said it before on the pot. I'm excellent at dunk tanks. My dad <laughs> used to put me over the fence when I couldn't see over the barrier, and I think in my life I'm probably five for five. Wow. I mean, That's it was crazy. comical, and I think if Exactly Right ever does an Exactly Right festival where all their great podcasts get together for a weekend, Ooh, we yeah. do live shows, which would be a dream come true. I think the Banana Boys for Charity need to dress as bananas and get a dunk tank. I love that idea. Yeah. It'll it'll be called uh, 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 bana- Dipped Bananas. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. We're going to dip our bananas. Dip them bananas. (laughs) (laughs) Petaluma or wherever we end up making. Man, exactly right, Fest. Let's do it. Come dip the bananas with the Banana Boys. (laughs) You get $10, you get three balls. We're going to make fun of you in a very kind way. And then you can try to uh, dip our bananas (laughs) for. For dogs or whatever charity we do, we're dipping it for dogs. Yeah, guys. yeah, yes. Dip the dip a banana. Dip bananas for dogs. 
we're dipping bananas for dogs, guys. So come dip your bananas if in the hypothetical <laughs> world. exactly right <laughs> an festival. exactly right festival that you've created <laughs> for this idea. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I love it. That would be fun. Oh, okay. God, it would be a dream come true. This is on Vice. This was from Vice. I found it because I follow Vice. Vice is great. I love Vice. Vice is the my favorite. The once great Vice. I think my favorite online news outlet, hands down. I used they do to cover some zany they topics. They cover such good things, and they do mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it in an interesting way, and it's legitimate journalism. Like, it used to be that Vice was just this snarky kind of bullshit magazine. Want to be gonzo. Yeah, and now it's li- like, it's great. It's like, good, well-researched. I like the people. Anyway. Anywho. By Andrea Straphile. Mm, she's good. Mm-hmm. She's mm. really good. I'm impressed by her every single time I read her on this, the place, on Vice. I love her. This is the bread that made an entire island hallucinate. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent headline. Uh, this article originally appeared on Vice Italy. Um, Alicudi is a, I'm, I'm assuming it's Alicudi, it's A L I C U D I is a small volcanic island off the northern coast of Sicily in the Aeolian Archipelago. It is hard to find a sadder, more dismal, and desolate place than this unfortunate island, wrote French writer Alexandre Dumas during his travels in 1835. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is a corner of the each forgotten by creation and stuck in the era of chaos. The mm. island is rocky, isolated, and sparsely inhabited. There are no cars. You can reach you you reach the only inhabited area of the island by scaling steep stairs etched in the rock. Residents, mostly fishermen or goat shepherds, rely on donkeys to carry heavy loads up and down from the village. But That's despite fun. its size and stark landscape, the tiny island has made quite a name for itself and not for its wild beauty or peaceful solitude. Between 1903 and 1905, two Years, people in Alicudi started having visions. Wow! Witches banqueting on remote bo- remote beaches, talking Hessian sacks, women growing wings and flying to the island of Sicily to do their shopping, ghosts, mm-hmm. clowns, and soft pebbles falling from the sky. And experts think all of this was to do with the local bread. Incredible. Back then, rye was a vital staple of the local diet used in bread and biscuits. Unfortunately, the rye plant also susceptible infection from a fungus called ergot, known scientifically as claviceps purpurea. When infected, the normally beige plant grows small black spikes on its head. Ergot produces an alkaloid called lysergic acid, which is also the basic compound in LSD. LSD. In short, in short eating ergot makes you trip balls. Historically, the population of the island was quite poor, so food was never something to be thrown away. Known as tizonara, or ashes in the local dialect, due to its black color, the infected rye was probably ground up in the town's mill to make flour. It's possible it contaminated storage rooms for decades. It seems it was the British who brought it to the island, says Paolo Lorenzi, an anthropologist who spent eight months in Alicudi in 2018 writing his master's thesis about the story. They came to these areas to buy Malvasian grapes to make sherry and absinthe. The British boats would mainly trade in the bigger ports of Messina and Palermo and pass by the uh, Aeolian Islands on the way. But Lorenzi said the other experts believe the infestation could have started well before the 1900s and continued for a long time after. 
anthropologist Marcino Mariana Maffei, who specializes mm-hmm. in myths and legends of the Aeolian Islands, interviewed elderly locals in the 1990s and early 2000s. Really? She thinks ergot could have been common throughout the archipelago and believes the infestation could date back centuries. Uh, in the small and isolated community, locals shared their hallucinatory visions with each other. Some still believe the witches and ghosts were real to this day. Other superstitions and mysteries from the island have also survived, as noted by the 2007 documentary Liesola Analogia, the Analog Island, from the Greek analogos or against logic. The name of the documentary doesn't just refer to locals' technology-free lifestyle, but also to their complicated relationship with reality and taste for superstition. That's so interesting. So this whole small little island community was eating this type of rye bread that was making them all lightly hallucinate or majorly At hallucinate for years. Yes. Um, and they don't have any cars, so there's just a bunch of people walking with donkeys, tripping. seeing things falling from the sky, and mermaids wash up on shore. And, Gorgeous. Yeah. What an island. And it's, quote, if you'd come here 30 years ago, you would have realized that reality here works differently. And it said an unnamed local interview in the 2007 documentary. Um, uh, yeah. Some, since island residents unknowingly took the psychedelic compound, compound, they weren't prepared for the hallucinations. This made the experience feel even more intense and real to them. Um, uh, to feel in control during an LSD trip, you have to develop some skills. And these skills stayed with them, added the man in the documentary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, and then it be, oh, d- this is crazy. In the 50s, everything changed. Because due, with, due to its mystical and isolated nature, Alakuti became a hotspot for hippies. They listened to the local stories and recognized the telltale signs of an acid trip. For the islanders, it was normal. It was the tourists who made them realize that they had been experiencing psychedelic hallucinations. Oh, bummer. Hippies ruin everything. <laughs> Hippies ruin the party again. Mm-hmm. Terrible. That's so fascinating. I will absolutely look into that more when I'm on Wikipedia looking at Bahrain. I'm going to go over and look at this obscure island that was microdosing with rye bread, (laughs) which is a great title for this episode. Microdosing with rye bread is a very fun title. Katie Levine, our wonderful producer. Thank you to Lisa Maggot, our full human intern, and everybody exactly right, and our benevolent overlords. Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstark. And you know what? Let's throw Vince in there, too. We love Vince. We love Vince. Are you kidding me? Great guy. Bananas. Bananas Podcast. Bananas is an Exactly Right Media production. Our producer and engineer is Katie Levine. The Catchy Bananas theme song was composed and performed by Kahan. Artwork for Bananas was designed by Travis Millard. And our benevolent overlords are the great Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstark. And Lisa Maggot is our full human, not a robot intern. Bananas. Bananas. Bananimals, follow Bananas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love what you hear feel free to rate and review our little show. And of course, please visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase Bananas merch.